0: Hello. Thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. My name is Aaron Varner, and I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here. And uh, we're glad that you're here today. Pastor David didn't say why his son got kicked out of the nursery, but uh, we'll talk more about that later if you want to talk to me. really are excited to meet and gather and proclaim the name of Jesus together, if you would, take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Romans. We'll continue our series today. Romans chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 18 through 22. 32. For those of you who weren't able to make it on Friday... Hopefully we recorded that and we'll have that available for you. Dr. Wayne Slusser from Baptist Bible Seminary out in Clark Summit. Um, Dr. Wayne and his wife, Missy, were our guests. And Dr. Wayne just did an excellent job of walking us through 2nd and 3rd John. And so we hope to have that up and available um, on our website and on our media um, sometime, hopefully, this week. I want to encourage you as we... As we look at the things that we have scheduled and the things that we do, there's a lot of thought and process that goes into it, a lot of prayer that goes behind it. And so uh, I just want you to encourage you to continue to uh, be diligent. And that's one of the things we saw in Second and Third John, to be purposeful, to be diligent in seeking the truth. And we're going to see that this morning in our text this morning of why, why seeing the truth, acknowledging the truth, living in the truth is so important. And I just want to encourage you there, there are many opportunities for you to participate in the ministry here at West Hill. And we want you to be a part of that. We don't want you to be standing on the sidelines. We want you to be in the game with us. And we know that being in the game looks different for everybody. All right. But, but don't, don't give me the excuses that you're too old or that you don't have enough uh, knowledge or that's not your gift. I don't want to hear those excuses. I love you. I care about you. All right. I don't want those because ultimately, are you going to use those excuses as you stand before the living God one day? Okay. And that's, that's not to chastise anybody. All I'm here to say is to encourage you as your pastor uh, there is a lot of thought and purpose and reason behind why we do what we're doing. Why we give you the ministries that we're giving you. That's why we, we have the, the outreaches that we have. That's why we have all kinds of different things. And it's not just to do them so we stay busy. Each one of them serve a purpose. And that purpose is ultimately that we would honor God as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we connect you with God and with others, we want to help you to grow and we want to serve those who are in need. That's why West Hill exists. That's why God's put us here. And so please take note, if you don't get the weekly bulletin, please see us. Please write an email uh, to church at westhillbaptist.com. All right, let one of us know as staff, we want you to make sure that you're informed and that you know what's going on so that you can be praying for us and for the ministry and also that you may participate too and be diligent in that. Excited to dig in the word this morning. Last week was a great introduction. I gave you 12 points, all right, about the gospel, and I'm sure you remember every one of them, right? And so today's your test. No, I'm just teasing. It's not a test, okay? Today, I'm actually not going to give you any points, all right? There's going to be some statements I'm going to make. There's going to be some things that I bring out for us to understand. But it really uh, comes down to this whole idea of God revealing, okay? And there's righteousness revealed that we saw in verses 16 and 17. And then we're going to see the wrath of God revealed. And so before we dig into the word, will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word this morning. I pray that as we study it, as we read it, as we dig into it, Lord, that you would just bring us into that, that closeness with your spirit and, and that you would do a mighty work uh, through your word this morning. Um, it's easy to sit here and be distracted, Lord, with life, with things that are important, things that have gone on, things that are coming up, things that are weighing heavy on us and our minds and our hearts. Lord, we, we entrust those things to you now. We hand those to you knowing that your burden is easy. Your, your oh, um, the, the yoke that is around our necks is light. You don't want us to carry that. And so we give that to you, Lord. And so we ask that you would help us. To be able to be not only hearers now of your word, but then to be doers of it. That we would live it out and proclaim the truth as we live our lives. So bless us as we meet and as we have this time together. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bible and you are able and willing to stand, would you stand with me as we read Romans chapter 1? We're going to read Romans 1 and we'll start in verse 18 and read through the end of the chapter. Romans chapter 1. to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women And were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men. And receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. Mal- maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, But give approval to those who practice them. May God have His blessing to the reading of His word. You may be seated. As we walk through this passage, uh, which is great, because oftentimes uh, we, as a staff, talk about what's coming and for this Sunday. But Andrew and I didn't connect on this before, and it was awesome that he read from Malachi. And just saying that the same God of the Old Testament is the God here in the New Testament. The same God in the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament. Because oftentimes what you will hear is you see this God of the Old Testament, and he is one of his wrath is constantly being poured out. You see a almost like a vengeful God, right, as he's displaying who he is. And then you come to the New Testament and you say, oh, this is a different God. This is a kinder, a gentle, a meeker God. You know, one who is forgiving. Whereas the one in the Old Testament just puts everybody to death. This one wants people to live in peace and harmony. Well, I have news for you. If that's the way you see God, you see him wrong. If that's the way you see the Bible, you're reading it incorrectly. All right? Because the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. Do you believe that? So, as you read the Old Testament, it wasn't like some part of God was activated. And then the second part of what we have in the Bible, the New Testament, that that part was you know, lessened and a new part of God was activated. No, God is the same God. He is the righteous God. And we're going to see the God of both the Old Testament and the New Testament is the God who is God and creator today. There is not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. There is only one true living God. We see, as Paul is writing here in verse 18, he talks about revealing. And before we dig any further, I want you to go back, if you have it in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles there, do this, because it's not going to be up on the screen for you. But I want to show you verse 16 and 17, because verse 16 and 17 are really the theme verse of this whole writing that Paul is giving to the believers in Rome. All right. His purpose is this for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. And so stop there for a moment. The righteousness of God is revealed. All right. And then you jump down to verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed. And so John, uh, Paul talking about john in our class earlier which if you missed it man come join us for class say i can't get up that early yes you can stop with the excuses go to bed earlier get your clothes ready take your shower the night before oh i need a shower to wake up or i can't do that i get up every day early for work okay you just said god my work is priority over time together studying the word All right, I'm done convicting you. I'm not convicting you. It's the Spirit. But we would love for you to join us. It's a great time as we walk through the book of John. Paul, we're talking about Paul here now. Paul, as he's saying this, he's saying, listen, the righteousness of God is revealed for those who are in faith. Right? All right? And then he makes this statement, the righteous shall live by faith. Now he's making this statement in verse 18 The wrath of God is revealed from heaven, and so we see this, but I want to make note before we go any further, this first word, for. This is a word that we're going to walk through this text. It's going to be really important, and it's one of those things that when you translate from a language to another language, sometimes you miss it, and and this is one of those words, okay? We say for, not because we're golfing and our ball goes way off, okay, but sometimes we make it just a simple, like a little term that keeps the sentence going. When we look at this 4 here, um, we want to see that ultimately here in verse, verse 18, and then we see it in verse 16 and 17 even, it, it is this word meaning certainly. So if we go back to verse 16, all right, and, and read it, certainly... I am not ashamed of the gospel. Certainly it is the power of God for salvation. Verse 17. Certainly in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. And verse 19. Certainly the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So take note of this word for because you're going to see it multiple times. But I want to let you know there's some other English for's that are not translated with that same Greek word. All right? Here, as we start our text in verse 19, it means a certainty. Because of this. We know this for sure. Certainly the wrath of God. There's a certainty for this. All right? And so we see this as... The wrath of God, all right? The upsurging, that's the Greek word here. Um, ultimately, we see this term often, and we've seen it even in John, in our study through John, when we see John 3, 36, that the wrath of God remains on him who doesn't believe. All right? It centers around, and, and Paul will make this point as we go along. He's going to build a case as he, as he comes, and ultimately, he's starting down here, and he's saying he's he's insinuating those who are not believing, all right, are going to experience the wrath of God. They don't obey, they're not obedient. That's what that term here it insinuates: the wrath of God, those who are disobeying Him. It's revealed, it's disclosed. The wrath of God has been disclosed on what? Against all. Against what? All ungodliness. It's the lack of reverence is the Greek word here. And unrighteousness. The lack of doing what is just. All right? And so the wrath of God, the upsurging, the anger of God, the righteous anger... Don't think in our terms. I got angry this week. All right? I'm not proud of it, but it wasn't a righteous anger. All right? Which I'll talk more about that in weeks to come. The detoxing. And don't be alarmed. It's not drugs or alcohol. It's something else, okay? It is a drug, though. But we'll talk about that more later. You're like, oh, man, We'll talk about that later. The righteous anger of God being revealed against all these things that are contrary to who He is. Because they don't have respect. There's not a reverence. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They Hinder; they prevent it. This is a very strong word, meaning that they hold fast to. It's a restraining. They are purposefully. This isn't like a, a a passive term here. This is actually a very aggressive term, that the unrighteousness suppresses the truth. They restrain it, and then it comes to verse nineteen here. And he says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. That word for isn't the same for that we've seen in certainty. Instead, it's a word that we could say because. All right? The wrath of God, so let's read it this way. Certainly the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Because what can be known by God is plain to them. Now our next word there is because. But I want you to change that and go back to the other one. Because it's the same Greek word for certainty. Because what can be known about God is plain to them. Certainly God has shown it to them. And then that same word starts verse 20. Certainly his divine attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made. And so it's plain to them. It's visible. It's evident. Because certainly God has shown it to them. Look around. There's certainly evidence. It's been shown to us. It's been made clear. It's like that muddy water and that murky water. And as the stream continues to push it down, you see this clear water, and what was below, you can now see again. They have suppressed it, they've tried to hide it. But look, it's clear, it's evident. And he says, by the means of creation, the creation, what was made, the world, the cosmos here, the universe, that they are without excuse. It's interesting as we think, why are they without excuse? Because of the work of the image that Paul is writing here can clearly be seen. And what is it? His eternal power, meaning his ability to create, and his deity, his divine being, so that ultimately they are without excuse, or that term Without excuse, where we get our apology from, our English term apology. So, anapologetos, or without apology, without excuse. They don't have a reason to give. The wrath of God has been revealed. Why? Because who God is, his ability to create, and his divinity— his, his very nature is evident. Where is it evident? Look around you. That's what Paul is saying. So they are without excuse. There's a term there, again, the start of verse 21, that word for. And again, we want to translate that to because. Not certainly, but they are without excuse because although they knew God, this is Ganasco. It's a it's a term that we see where um, Adam and Eve, Adam Ganasco, he knew Eve. Even though they knew God, there was evidence of it. They could see it. There was this understanding more than just a recognizing, because we're going to see that term later. They knew it. It wasn't like it was half hidden. What well, Paul is saying, because they are without excuse, because around them, they know, what do they know? Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Because they knew and a deep understanding. They did not honor him as God. They didn't doxazo, meaning our doxology, which we sang today, to give praise. Or urexo, urexatio, meaning giving thanks. They didn't praise God, and they didn't give thanks to God, but instead they became futile, foolish, or wicked In their thinking, their reason, their thought. So people didn't follow God, even though they knew, they saw the evidence, it's all around them, of a creator God. This marvelous work, when we look at all of creation around us and we say, how did it happen? There's evidence that there is one who created it. But not just that, we see there is the divine, the one and only God, It is evidence around, but people rejected. They didn't want to give praise to the one God, nor did they want to give thanks to him. And instead, they turned wicked, foolish. They turned to the foolishness, their wickedness of their thought or reasoning. And they were darkened, their foolish hearts. Unable to understand. They were blinded. They were without understanding. Inside of their. Cardia. Their heart. Their inner self. Claiming to be wise. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise. They became fools. They wanted to declare. They were declaring themselves as an expert. Paul writes. But instead. They were really fools that were spewing nonsense. And what did they do? Verse 23, they exchanged, they substituted the glory or the splendor, the doxa, where we get doxology again. The splendor of the glory of God, of the immortal God. They exchange that glory of a deathless God. Remember back on Resurrection Sunday, we talked about this term, immortal, meaning, meaning ultimately that there is deathlessness. This is a God who cannot die. Immortal, invincible, God Almighty, we sing. They exchange that deathless God for what? Images or likenesses, the forms, the appearance of death, men, essentially is what Paul is writing. You're going to take a God who is not capable of dying, and they're exchanging it for images of a man who dies, of a man who will not live. And also for birds, for The term here is four-footed animals and for reptiles. I knew I didn't like sinks. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up. He handed them over. He allowed them in the lust of their hearts. This is something that they had and he allowed, he gave them over, he granted them their desire. He didn't hold them back anymore. He said, okay, this is what you want. Exchanging your worship, your thanks to these images of people that die, of things that die. He grants them that. The lust of their hearts. The cravings of their cardias. To impurity. Filth. Term filth. Think about A pig pen wallowing around to dishonoring their bodies, disgracing, shaming themselves. These exchanged to verse twenty-five, the truth of God, they changed or they altered what was truth. Remember John fourteen, verse six. Jesus claims and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They're changing the truth. They're exchanging the the truth. They're altering the truth into a lie, he says, into a falsehood. And they worshiped, they served, or they wanted to work for hire, the creature the creation that was made, instead of the creator, the builder, which, by the way, Paul writes here, who is blessed forever, who is to be praised into the age, is the Greek here, truly, indeed, forever. Therefore, when you look at the text here, there's a few things that as we see, that stand out. And I want to pause here, and I've been explaining some of the terms as we go, but I want to pause and now back up. Paul is writing, as he said, the righteousness is revealed, and now the wrath is revealed. The wrath of God is revealed. Why? Because first, there's evidence of a creator. Okay? And because the evidence of a creator is very clear to everyone... No one has an excuse. All right? Neve, I think those slides are up there. So there's evidence of a creator, and so that they are without excuse. Then Paul is going to go on, and he's going to make three statements here that are very similar. And he says here, therefore, he gave them up. And he says this three times. The first time is, therefore, he gave them up in the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring amongst themselves. So he gave them up to their filth. Because why? And he explains it this first time, again, just so his readers will understand, so that we would understand even today, why is this? Because they exchanged the truth for a lie. He's giving them into the lust of their hearts, He's giving them into their impurity, to the filth, because they believed a lie. Then he says this statement in verse 26 should be translated much like verse 24 starts. Therefore, therefore God gave them up in the lust, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up to dishonoring, dishonorable passions. That word for there. It's the same word that we've been seeing, certainly. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Certainly, their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men, likewise, gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So we see the first, therefore, is, okay, here's a general, listen, the lust of their hearts. They did what they wanted to do in their inside. Ultimately, the filth is shown in their body. That could have been a number of different things. Here, the second point is, all right, they're without excuse because God has revealed himself, so he gave them over. The wrath of God is revealed on them because, why? Because, therefore, they gave He gave them up to dishonorable passions. Now let me be very clear here. As Paul is writing this, Paul is writing about homosexuality. No matter where you may stand and what you're thinking and what your belief is, let me give you what the Bible tells us. And let me, before I tell you what the Bible clearly tells us, in case you missed it, Let me first say, I know that there are many who struggle with same-sex attraction. Just as I may struggle with a certain sin, I like sugar. All right? I like donuts. It's evident, okay? I have to be careful. What sin do you struggle with in realizing that sin is sin in God's eyes? He doesn't classify sins differently. Sin is anything that is against who he is. And so when we think of that, I'm not trying to pick out homosexuality as being greater. No, we're going to see a whole list that Paul gives us about some bad sins, okay? But when you think of this, do not let the flesh and our wrestling with our relationships with people that we love to define what sin is. Just because you have a loved one that is stuck in this sin of homosexuality doesn't mean that you should say, well, it's not that bad. Don't redefine what sin is. You don't have that right. We don't have that privilege. If you believe the Bible is truth and that everything that God has given us to live is in here, then we need to live by this. This defines us. This defines how we think, how we believe, how we live. Paul is writing and saying the people who rejected who God was, the evidence is all around them because they reject that he gives them over to a desire that is not natural. Homosexuality is not natural. I make it in fun terms like this. What is natural is a Lego piece with another Lego piece. They snap together. That's the way God made man and woman. Simple, right? Do you get my analogy? Lego pieces. They snap together. Now you're only supposed to have one Lego piece. You don't get to choose, all right? Not like David who wanted another Lego piece and he sent his men off to get one because he didn't like his, not like he didn't have enough. When we look at this idea of homosexuality, It is contrary to the way that God created man and woman. It is not what God desires. And in fact, it is sin. It is against who God is. God tells us that he allows some, he gives them over. He gives them up into These dishonorable passions. Women with women and men with men. It's as clear as day. There is no argument about whether homosexuality is right or wrong. The scripture tells us. Not only here, but in other passages as well. I'm sorry if you do not believe that. Do not be misled. Do not stray away from the truth. Do not allow your own feelings and your own earthly relationships get in the way of what the Bible teaches us. As you study the Bible, and this is one is very clearly evident, and yes, I am harping on it because why? Look at the world that we live in today. People are confused. Our children are wondering, what is the truth? Take them to the text. Help them to see what is right and what is wrong. We want to preach the whole counsel of God. And in that, that doesn't mean we don't help those who are struggling and come alongside of them and encourage them. Just as we would with any sin. Do not make this one greater. Or more severe in God's eyes. It is wrong. It is sinful. And we see that they receive in themselves the due penalty for their error. What's that mean? Read the news. Check the health reports. What happens when women sleep with women and men sleep with men? Verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, that word acknowledge, it means to have in knowledge. They did not see fit to have in knowledge God. They don't want to know God. They don't want to know who he is. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Because they didn't want to go know God's thoughts on things. He gave them over to that kind of thinking. You say, well, how did people get to that place because they were led astray by a lie. Thus what we talked about in Second and third John, we've got to always keep the truth in front of us. We always need to keep coming back to the Bible and knowing what the truth is. because all around us, the truth is being attacked. Don't be surprised when the truth is attacked. We have an adversary. He's called the devil. And he is seeking who he may devour. He desires to deceive you. He lies to you. He cheats you. And ultimately, he wants to destroy you. That's his desire. He isn't going to help you. He does not want to help the world. While it may seem like they're having fun in the moment, no, ultimately, we see that the truth is what gives life. The truth is what sets us free from bondage that we feel every day. And some of you are living life today believing the lies. You don't want to accept the truth. And let me tell you, if you don't want to know and to acknowledge who God is and His truth... This may happen to you, verse 28. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. You say, what can that happen to a Christian? Certainly. It starts, I believe, with unbelievers, and all of a sudden, they pull us in. We live in a world that is not going to help you grow in your faith. Every day you wake up, there is a world that is darkened. It's full of sin. But we have a God who is greater and mightier. We have a God who is accessible that we get to come to. He says, seek me and you will find me. But we try to live life on our own terms and on our own ways. Doing the rat race. Failing to acknowledge who God is. Failing to seek after him. Failing to know and to study and keep learning his truth. Thus why we shouldn't be surprised when people fall away. Verse 29. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Evil. Covetousness. Malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Notice this next phrase. Disobedient to parents. It's almost like, why would Paul put that in there? That doesn't fit in there. Disobedient to parents, along with like haters and malicious and murderers, murderers with those who are disobedient to parents, they're on the same level. Paul's like, Yes, they are. Because that is contrary to the way God desires for us to live. For those of you who are children, if you're disobedient to your parents, you are showing that you're a sinner. And you do that long enough, and that's going to lead you astray. Just as if you murder somebody, it's going to lead you astray. If you gossip about people, it's going to lead you astray. You keep doing that, and you're going to be down a road that ultimately leads to destruction. Yet, you are without excuse because God is evident. He's evident all around you. And I'm telling you today, those of you who are listening, you are without excuse because you are hearing the truth today. People say, well, what about the person in deep, dark Africa in the jungles or in the desert? and They never hear about Jesus. Are they going to heaven or going to hell? I read Romans chapter 1, and it tells me that no one is without excuse. Why? Because the evidence of God is around them. And I believe that if that person is in the deep, dark jungles, and they never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God is powerful enough to reveal himself to them. If they cry out and say, God, I I believe that there is a God who created all of this. This is amazing as I look at this. There must be a God. Would you reveal yourself to me? I believe that God is powerful enough to reveal himself to them. Do you? And whether that's through a missionary that he brings along, whether that's in a vision or a dream... Now don't get me wrong, I'm not like going Pentecostal here, okay? But listen, don't limit God. And don't think for a minute that there is a person who roams as face of the earth that will stand before God and that will have a right excuse. When they are called to judgment, they will be judged upon what they saw, what they heard. Paul's writing is saying, there is not anyone who has an excuse not to believe. And by the way, those who don't believe the wrath of God, just like the righteousness of a God has been revealed to us. And those who have faith continue to live in that righteousness. The wrath of God is being revealed and we're seeing it on display. We're seeing it on display because people have rejected the truth. So three Therefore, therefore he gave them up in verse 24, therefore he gave them up in verse 28 and verse or 26 and then verse 28. And since they did not see fit, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. I won't focus on. This whole list, it's pretty bad. Verse 29, 30, and 31. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. It's a good summary. Verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree. It says, though they recognize that is, the, is not the intimate knowing God that we saw before, but though they recognize God's righteous teachings, that those who practice these things deserve to die, even though they know that, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. When you think about your life, where are you today? Are you recognizing God's righteous decree? Do you know what God has said? Have you listened to what he has told us? Is it apparent to you that all around us there's evidence of a true and living God? A creator who created it all? Stop and ponder that and think about that. And if there is, and you start seeking him, and you start hearing, you start to read the Bible, the Bible tells us that there is one God creator, and ultimately he sent his son Jesus, and he died on the cross for our sin. For all of our disobedience, because we were born in a sinful condition, every one of us, because we have sin in our life, We need fixing. The only way we can be fixed or set free from that sinful heart is if the perfect sacrifice was made on our behalf. So Jesus, God's son, God sent his son to save us. And in doing so, he allows us to be set free from sin so that we don't have to continue to sin. Those who reject God are given over to this list of things. And while there's different people who live differently, you say, oh, that's a good person. They're still a sinner without Jesus. They're still in bondage without Jesus. They're going to still spend eternity in hell without Jesus. I don't say that. The Bible tells us that. Don't pick and choose what you want to be truth. The truth here says that I must choose. Paul will stay and he's making a statement and he will continue to build upon ultimately here and in the next chapter because we see in the first couple verses, therefore, you have no excuse to start at verse two. That's why that's part two. Today's part one. You're without excuse. Those who acknowledge and see the creation are without excuse. And because they have believed the lie because they don't want to acknowledge God. And even those who do see God's righteous standard, they reject it and are living it. And not only are they doing that, but they're also encouraging others to join in. Now, as I've read this morning, do you think it sounds like our world today? If you miss that, You need to go home, take a shower, and come back. And we need to talk. Guys, our world is filled with it. Thus, why the gospel for us is so important to be lived out. And Paul's going to make that case over and over again as we get further into this letter. Stay strong in the truth. Stay in the word so that you don't get swept away by those who don't believe in it. You say, oh, that's not me. I've, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior for years. You know how it happens? A little bit at a time. And before you know it, you're thinking, you're believing, you're doing things that are contrary to the word that you never would have believed that you would have done. It happens. To all of us. That's why when we see people who who get up and preach the word and, and we admire and we look to these pastors, and they're just human like anybody else, but then they fall in, in immorality and, and, and they, they cheat on their wife or, or or they lie or they 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 steal money because they're in such need. How does that happen? It doesn't happen just one time. It happens through a course of time because their intimate relationship with God has been stopped. It's been hindered. And so for us, listen, take heed to the warning here. Look what happens. It's devastating. It leads to death and destruction. Don't go that way. Hold on cling to the truth, not because we live in legalism. I don't have to wear a tie every Sunday to be righteous. I can bring God my best if I wear a pair of jeans or if I wear a three-piece suit. It's not the condition of the external, it's the condition of my heart. And you come, hopefully, each Sunday, coming to worship God, coming to praise his name, which people hear in our text, they weren't willing to sing the doxology. They weren't willing to praise him, nor were they willing to thank him. So what should be the evidence of our continuing in the truth? Praising God and thanking him. We look at the truth. The truth says I deserve eternal punishment away from God forever in a real place called hell. But God has set me free from sin because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When I place my faith and trust in Him, he gives me life eternal. And because of that, I am God's child. That truth is overwhelming to me. And I can't help but to say, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. You would save me from a world... Out of all these people, you would reveal your truth to me? And at times we feel guilty. But Romans 1 tells us, don't feel guilty about it. Praise him, thank him. Because all these people over here, they're without excuse. So why should we live our lives of faith? Because they need to see evidence that it is truth. Because as they're mired in all this filth, they need to see people who really love Jesus, people who are really living their faith, the evidence of what that looks like. And yet, a lot of times, we don't look any different from them. We see how close we can get to that line. See, what show can I watch? What music can I listen to? What joke can I tell that's right on the edge? Seek righteousness, not because it's a list of rules. We don't need any list of rules. We need the truth, and we need to live out the truth as we love God. And we do what his will is. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your goodness. We want to give you praise. We want to give you thanks. Because you are worthy. Because you are righteous. You tell us that the righteousness of God is revealed for those who are in faith. Beginning and ending in faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And yet we see now... This contrast of the wrath of God. It's the righteous wrath. Because you are just. And because you are perfect. You desire for all men to come and follow you. But there are those who reject you. They live ungodly lives. They pursue unrighteousness. Thus they push down. They change the truth. Lord, we need to be on guard. Lord, would you help us as your followers? Lord, to know your word and to know your truth so well that we can pick out what is truth and what is not. And I pray that you would help us not to waver from it. Because as people walk away from the truth, there are times... As your wrath is being poured out, you allow man, you give them over to these desires that are not natural. That are not from you. They don't produce life. It's not for our good. And yet, Lord, you tell us you desire good for us. In fact, you allow all things to transpire in our lives for our good. To those who love you. To those who are called according to your name. We can see all the things that happen. In our lives. As good because you're in control. And we can trust you. We follow you. But for those who don't follow you. They're not given that same hope. Lord for those have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today, right now in this moment, they would turn from their filth. We've all been there. We've all been guilty of sin against you. There's nobody better than anybody else here that sits this morning. But if you've never given your heart to Jesus, today you need to do that. Today you can start... To have the life that god desires for you the life that produces hope and peace and joy and love would you claim jesus as your savior today to ask him to forgive you of your sin and to come into your heart and to be your god your god that you will follow that you will love that you will obey Maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and this morning you sit here having given in to some things that are not the truth and you know it. The Spirit is convicting you this morning. I want to encourage you. Would you turn from that sin? As John tells us, would you confess it? Name it by its name. Confess your sin and know that He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Turn back to Him. He's waiting with open arms. But He leaves the choice to you. You can keep sinning, you can keep living your proudful life. But you won't experience his abundance. Lord, help us. We are just jars of clay. Some of us have a lot of holes that need filled. But I'm grateful, Lord, that you do fill us. And in fact, we can overflow of your goodness because of your grace and your mercy. May we walk with you in faith this week. Help us as we make choices and decisions. Help us in our priorities to place you first. Not only just above sin, but above ourselves. We do love you, Lord, and we desire to continue to see your blessing upon us. Help us to walk faithfully with you, calling out what is untrue, but we speak truth in love. Knowing that it were it not for your grace, were it not for your mercy, we would be in those same conditions that we see many of in in the world today. Help us to be serious about the truth. Help us to live it this day, this week and the days ahead. We pray this in the name of our savior, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, amen. May God bless you. Have a wonderful day, a great week. And look forward to seeing how God's going to use you as you live out the truth.